it's very difficult to not say this morning. I, I think Charles did it, didn't he? But it's very difficult not to say this morning. We're so used to gathering in the morning. But happy Good Friday service to everyone here. And then also those of you who are with us online, we also want to wish you guys happy um, Good Friday. I'm excited. Can we give the Lord a hand tonight real quick? I, I, I'm excited. Some of you might be asking, why are we giving the Lord a hand tonight? You know, so it, just because he's good, you know, because he's the Lord. But if you've been with us for any um, period of time, you guys know that tonight is really a big night for our church. We started Coastline nine years ago. And for the past nine years, we, as one of our ladies, Nicole, Nicole Brown, she said, we've been wandering in the wilderness. And, and literally, we've kind of been this church that's bounced around. We've even been homeless church for a minute, you know what I mean? So for us to finally have a permanent space is really just a blessing. I know that myself and our team here, um, we're really excited that the Lord has um, opened up the door for us to be able to have this space here on Sunday morning. If you don't know, we planted Coastline in the beginning of 2012, and we started over, um, I'm not even going to chronicle for you guys what the steps were, but literally we've been in an old school church over in Venice. This is kind of funny. The very first place we started um, was on Sunday nights at a church called, we call it the Church on Walgrove. That church building now is actually used to shoot haunted um, movies. And so you guys can go on Google and actually look up Haunted Church of Venice. That's actually where we started. So uh, we, we've definitely come a long way. And then we met in a movie theater. We met in a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu studio. Um, we met at a community center. We met at a coffee shop on their second story. We met at elementary school. We met at a um, warehouse where they shoot videos, dance studio, um, back to a school. And then we finished up before here in a parking lot in Compton. So we definitely got way farther than where we first started when we said we were going to plant our church. So this is really just an exciting night for us to be able to gather and to be able to officially launch this new season um, for our ministry. And so I'm really thankful that all you guys are here. I'm thankful to those of you who are joining us online as well. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me over tonight to Isaiah chapter 53? Isaiah chapter 53. I want to remind you guys that we're going to be here on Easter morning, so two days away, Sunday morning, we're going to be here. We have service at 10.30 a.m. Those of you with children, um, anywhere from ages 3 all the way up to the fifth grade, there will be children's ministry available. Those of you with children, um, newborns to two-year-olds, we have a couple of, um, you guys can see it after service, we have a couple spaces that we're calling our family overflow rooms, okay? So those of you with newborns to two-year-olds, uh, make sure you guys still come on out, and we have some spaces uh, for you guys as well. And then also those of you who rather maybe do uh, service outdoors or maybe um, you want to grab the kids during service. They're just, 
not adjusting well to indoor, we're also going to have an um, outdoor space for you guys to be able to view service as well. But we'd love for you guys to come join us 10.30 a.m. on Easter morning. All right, well, let's read Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to just focus on one verse this evening. In fact, if you're with us, um, we typically, when we have church, when we have Bible study together, we usually are in one book, in one chapter, going verse by verse. And, but tonight, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to sort of deviate from that style of teaching, and we're going to kind of jump around and focus on this one specific topic, since it's Good Friday. Take a look at verse 5 with me. Isaiah 53, verse 5. It says, He was wounded, speaking of Jesus, for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Would you bow your head and let's pray together this evening. Father, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this moment, Lord, that you've given to us to be able to gather together and to be able to sit and study your word. We pray tonight here on Good Friday that you would take that phrase, Good Friday, and Lord, would you speak to our heart? Would you show us tonight why it was a Good Friday? Lord, would you show us tonight why it was such an important monumental event in history, the death of Jesus upon the cross. And so, Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray that you would speak in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Listen, thank you for joining us tonight for our Good Friday service. Before we get into our time of communion, which we're going to do at the end of our service this evening, I want to take a look at God's Word. And there's one simple question that I want to ask during our time together this evening, and the question is, why was it a good Friday? Why was it a good Friday? After all, the event that took place on that day, the event that we celebrate at first glance, wouldn't seem to qualify as a good day. The event wouldn't seem to qualify as a good Friday. There was a brutal death that took place on that good Friday. There was a violent crime against an innocent man on that good Friday. There was torture. There was blood. There was a beating on that good Friday. Which leads us back to the question tonight, why was that Friday so good? Why was that Friday? Why was that night? What was that day? Why was it referred to? Why is it now continually referred to as good? What the Jewish authorities and the Romans did to Jesus was definitely not good. However, listen, the results, the results of that day, the results of Jesus' death, the results of all of it that, 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 that happened that day, the results were very good. You see, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 tells us, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Listen, to bring you 
to God. So essentially what we could say is what happened on that Good Friday was that Christ died for our sins. Not just for our sins, but he died for the sins of all. The one who was righteous died for the unrighteous. But why? He died to bring you and I. He died to not only bring you and I, but those we love, those who are neighbors, the community around us, all across the world. He died to bring you, to bring me, to bring them, to bring people to God. You see, without the death of Christ, there would be no way to God. In, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, the Bible says that he is the way. Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the life. And he's the only way to the Father. And so Jesus died. The reason it was good was because it brought us. It, it's the only way that we could come to God. So what the results accomplished you could say on that day, they were good. They were good. Which leads me to another question tonight. Who was it a good day for? Who? Who, who was impacted by that day? Let me start with this this evening. Was it a good Friday for Jesus? Was it a good Friday for Jesus? Would you go back to me, back with me to our text this evening, Isaiah 53? Was it a good day for Jesus? Well, here in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, we're told that he was brutally killed. He died a criminal's death upon a cross. In fact, specifically it says here in Isaiah 53 verse 5, that he was pierced for our transgressions. It says he was crushed for our iniquities. So we go back to the question here, was it a good day for Jesus? Especially when we read the, just the brutality behind his death. How about this? Was it a good day for Jesus when the Bible mentions that he was an innocent man, would you write this verse down if you're taking notes tonight? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us that he, God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So give me your eyes for a moment, church. This is what the scripture's saying. The scripture's saying that the one who knew no sin, the one who was perfect in every detail and every aspect of his life, the one who would never sin, that he became sin, that God laid on him the sin of us all. He was an innocent man. In fact, in Luke chapter 23, as Pilate, you guys remember there right before the cross, Pilate stood, we're told, before the chief priests and before a crowd. And he said these words about Jesus. He said, I don't find him guilty of anything. 
You guys remember they wanted Christ to be crucified and Pilate stands before them and says, why? For what? There's nothing that he's done. In fact, I've, I've looked, I've checked, I've searched, I've digged, and I don't find him guilty of anything. Let's go back to what we talked about a moment ago. Was it a good day for Jesus, the one who was innocent, the one who was guilty of nothing? And then one more verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. The Bible says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was paid. Our salvation was paid. Our ticket to eternity was paid. We're told in verse 19, by the precious blood of Christ, but listen, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Let's go back to our question again tonight. Was it a good Friday? Was it a good day for Jesus? He was innocent. He was spotless. He was sinless. Which leads us to another thought this evening. Why would an innocent man see his death as a good thing? Because as you go through the Gospels, as you see Jesus interact with people, one of the things that you see, one of the things you know, because it's there in Scripture, was that Jesus was convinced this was a good thing. Whenever he would interact with people, he knew ultimately what it would lead to, his death upon a cross, and yet reading the Gospel, reading the accounts of Scripture, he saw this innocent man, this blameless man, saw his death as a good thing. Why? How? Would you write this down if you're taking notes? Let me give you two reasons tonight. Number one, the first reason why Jesus would see his death as good was, number one, he loved those he was dying for. Listen, Christ loved those he was dying for. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible tells us that God demonstrated his own love toward us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, let, let, let's stop here for a second this, this evening. When we were sinners... Before there was any mention of us wanting anything to do with God. Before there was any decision ever made for us to follow him. When we wanted nothing to do with him. When we were alienated from him. When we were living a life apart from him. When there was no thought of ever going to church or saying yes to God. Or there was no desire to even go to heaven. Many of us can relate with being at that place. 
Very few of us can actually say, man, since I was born, I've been going to church. A lot of us here tonight, we can't say, man, I was just really just born into it, man. And ever since I was little, I just remember going. I remember giving my heart to Christ when I was young. A lot of us spent years, years, possibly even decades, just wandering in life, just doing our own thing, living however we desired, with no thought of God, no desire for God. I mean, I remember being 13 years old there in Gardena at Perry Middle School, and one of my friends, I, I said something, and somebody I remember so clearly, we were by the locker room, by the boys' locker room, and I remember so clearly, he's like, man, why, why are you doing that? It, it offends God. This is two little 13-year-olds talking to each other, and I don't remember what I did, but somehow he, he called me out. He put me on blast, and I just remember looking at him and saying, I don't give a blankly blank about God. And I remember being 13 years old, sticking my middle finger up to the air saying, I don't care, you know, I mean, don't talk to me about that. I remember being at that place where I wanted nothing to do with him. I was still stuck in my sin. This is the crazy thing. If you can relate with this, if you can relate with being at that place at some point in your life, the Bible says that Christ still died for you, for me, even when we were in that moment, even when that was who we were, even when that was how we want to be, wanted to be identified, non-religious, non-Christian, non-follower of Christ, I want nothing to do with God. Even when that was us, he demonstrated his love toward us by dying upon the cross, by dying for people who wanted nothing to do with him. You see, the reason why Christ saw his death as good was because he loved those he was dying for. Not just the good ones, not just the religious ones, not just the ones that go to church every Sunday or grow up in the perfect little godly house. He died for all. He demonstrated his love for all. Number one, he loved those he was dying for. Number two, if you're taking notes tonight, would you write this down? The second reason Jesus would have saw his death as good is number two, he lived only for his mission. Christ Jesus lived only for his mission. In John chapter 6, verse 38, the Bible says for, these are Jesus' words, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him, listen, who sent me. Jesus knew exactly why he was sent. Jesus knew exactly why the Father would send his only begotten Son into the world. 
And so when people would talk to him, when, when Jesus would make these statements, you could tell Jesus was absolutely convinced of his mission. He knew exactly why he came and dwelt among us, the Bible says in John chapter 1, as a man. He knew exactly what his, his mission was. What was his mission? Would you write this down? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. This is the mission that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, of whom I'm the, I'm the worst, I, I'm the chief sinner. But don't, don't lose it here. His mission. Why did Jesus come? Why? He came to save sinners. And so when you look at him dying on that day, when you look at him being nailed to the cross, when you hear of this innocent man being led to death, when you see him being beaten, Isaiah 53, our opening text, when you see him being pierced, when you see all of this taking place, why was it good? It was good because it fulfilled the mission. He was sent, he came into the world to save sinners. Which leads me to one final question tonight. It was good for Jesus. But why was it good for us? Why is it that we are here this evening? Why is it that some of us have planned our whole evening, our whole day, some of us, around gathering here on Good Friday? Was it a Good Friday for us? Was it a Good Friday for you? Was it a Good Friday for me? And the answer is to say that it was a Good Friday for us is an understatement. It was a Good Friday. It was a needed Friday. It was not only the most important Friday of our lives, it was the most important day, the most important moment, the most important event of our lives. There's, there's been no day that has had a greater impact on our future. Listen, church, it was not just a good Friday for us. It was the greatest moment of all of history for us. If there was ever a day that impacted your life and my life for good, it was Good Friday. It was the day that Christ hung upon the cross. If you're taking notes tonight, even if you haven't been taking notes tonight, if you happen to have a pen handy somewhere, or maybe even your cell phone, maybe pull it out real quick. There's something that I want you guys to write down. There's something that I want to leave you with tonight that I do not want you guys to forget. Five simple words. If you don't remember anything else tonight, I pray that you would walk away remembering these five simple words. Ready? His death saved my life. 
Would you write that down tonight? His death saved my life. Let me ask you a question tonight. Have you ever been saved before? Has your life ever been saved? Have you ever been out in the water drowning and someone's had to jump in, pull you out? Anybody ever had that happen? I mean, we see it on TV, but has ever happened? Or maybe you've been out in the water and you got stung by a stingray and someone had to jump in and, and, and somehow get the poison out. Or have you ever been somewhere where you're about to fall? I mean, I know it's more of a TV thing, but you've been on the side of a cliff. I don't know why you'd be hanging on the side of a cliff, but maybe you're hanging on the side of a cliff and someone has that superhuman strength to pull you up and to rescue you. I've actually had my life saved before by my 10-year-old daughter, Chloe. She didn't try, but she accidentally saved my life one time. We, Chloe was about 10 years old. We went on a visit to stay the night with some family friends. We got there about midnight. All the kids have fallen asleep in the car. And so our friends said, why don't you pull into the alley and you guys can get your kids and, and walk them into the house. And so we pull all the kids. Christina, I don't know where Christina was. Christina somehow went in the, went in the house already. And I was walking one sleepy kid in after another. And so I started with the youngest. I I started with Nathan, walked him in the house, put him in the bed, and ran back outside. I got Kaylee, picked her up on the shoulder, took her in, dropped her off. I did the same thing with Christiana. And by that point, Chloe had kind of was awake, halfway awake, 10 years old. So I get her out of the car. We're standing there in the alley. We're about to walk through the garage to go into our friend's home. And about 50 yards away, there was a pit bull. It was a dark alley pit bull about 50 yards away. And Chloe and I are standing there. And we make eye contact with this pit bull. And so we're looking, the dog's looking. We're, I mean, it's, it's very obvious that she knows we're, we're aware that she's there. And you guys know I'm a good dad, right? I mean, it's just, it's an, I mean, you guys just know I'm a good dad. So I'm standing there with my 10-year-old pit bull 50 yards away. It's red, and all of a sudden, this dog starts to race towards us. And me being the good dad that I am, I don't know why, but my first natural reflex should have been to jump in front of my daughter, right? <laughs> Fight this dog, kick the dog. I don't know why, I don't know what I was doing or what I was thinking, but my first natural reflex was to actually grab Chloe and use her as a shield. <laughs> I mean, I ain't winning no dad awards. I, I literally grabbed her like this, and, and this thing, and it's starting to charge towards us, and about, maybe about halfway, about 25 yards towards us, and it actually wasn't Chloe that saved my life. It was actually the dog's owner that saved our life. The dog's owner comes out screaming, get over here. And all of a sudden the dog stopped and turned around and went back to the owner. And oh my goodness, but you should have, I, I, I need to rewind to fully tell the story. So the, we're, we're, we're looking at this dog. The moment that dog started running, not only did I grab her like a shield, but I probably let out the most girly scream ever. It was, it was, it was like this. We're standing there, Chloe's here. That dog started running, grabbed Chloe, 
all in one motion. Ah! You know, and I, I don't know if that's why the owner came out or what happened, but it literally. But I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm to make the story sound better. Chloe saved my life. Chloe protected me that night. Listen. His death, the death of Jesus, what took place on that day saved my life. What took place upon the cross saved your life. And so it's accurate for us to say that the death of Christ on the cross was a good day. Although there was torture, Although there was blood, although there was the loss of life to an innocent man, it was a good day for us. His death saved my life. Two things. Would you go with me over to John chapter 10 before we close? Leave something in Isaiah 53 because... We're going to wake, work our way back there at the end. But go with me over real quick to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. His death saved my life. In John chapter 10, we find the chapter where Jesus declares that he's the good shepherd. But jump with me over verse 11 because there's something that he says in verse 11 as the good shepherd that I, I want to focus on for a moment. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says these words. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So not only was the day good, but the one who is good, he laid down his life for the sheep. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. Randolph is definitely not a good shepherd, at least when it comes to his children, right? I mean, I, I wasn't at that moment willing to lay down my life for, for my little sheep. But when it comes to Jesus, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Back in those times, the profession of being a shepherd was a very popular one. There was obviously lots of sheep out there. And one of the things that you find was that oftentimes shepherds would actually have to protect the sheep from prey. Lions and, and whatever else would come their way and try to attack the sheep. In fact, you guys remember when, when, when David was talking back in 1 Samuel, he talked about his times being a shepherd, and he even talked about how when he was out there, he went out and he protected his sheep. The good shepherd, Jesus Christ, was willing to lay down his life for his sheep. Would you give me your eyes for a moment, church? Listen, that includes every single one of us here tonight. Why are we here? What are we celebrating? Why are we so excited about death? 
It's because we have a good shepherd. And we're celebrating that moment where he laid down his life for us. Let's close tonight. Go back with me to Isaiah chapter 53. And we're going to finish here tonight. Isaiah 53. Go with me back to verse 5. So the beginning part here, verse 5, deals with his death. He was wounded for our transgressions, the picture of the cross. He was bruised for our iniquities, that picture of the cross. It says the chastisement for our peace was upon him, picture of the cross. But there's something here at the end of verse 5. There's one more line that I want to focus on and I want to finish with this evening. It says, by his stripes, by his wounds, because of his blood. Notice what it says there at the end of verse 5. By his stripes, we are healed. The only way to be healed, the only way to be healed of our sin nature, the only way to be healed was through his stripes. You see, for me, when I see that word healing, to me, that's, it, it, it paints this beautiful picture. You see, we see the cross and we see the brutality of the cross. But I would encourage you for a moment to picture, picture the scene there. Picture the scene on Calvary's cross. Picture it. Reflect on that, uh, on that illustration, on that image for a moment. And I want you guys real quickly tonight to look past the wounds. Look past the beating. Look past the bruising. Look past the whipping. And I want to encourage you tonight to see the healing. By his stripes. By every lash on his back. We are healed. We are healed. If you're with us this past Sunday, one of the points we touched on was how Christians sometimes wear a mask. And we're not talking about COVID masks, but we just wear that mask. And mask wearing in the Bible was a reference to hypocrisy and insincere living. Well, tonight I want to revisit this illustration of mask wearing. But I want to look at it from a different perspective as we close. On Sunday, it was about wearing a mask to hide the real you because of our evil heart. What I want to finish tonight with is I want to focus on mask wearing so that we can hide what's going on in our heart. Let me explain. Many of us, Every day we wear a mask. Every day. We don't want people to know what's going on inside. But if we were to be real, if we were to expose our heart to people, 
people would see that, that, that we're hurting. We're suffering. There's things going on in our life that have taken over. Yet we put a mask on. Every time somebody comes around, we tell them we're fine. Every time someone says, how are you doing? You say, I'm doing great. Every time you're around people, it's a bunch of hallelujahs and praise the Lords and amen brothers and everything else that gives off this appearance that everything is fine. I'm not hurting in any type of way. There's nothing going on in my heart. Everything is good. That's the mask we wear, the I'm fine mask. But the reality is that some of us have to put on that mask because we're fearful of people finding out that the real us and what's really going on inside, that there's some pain, that there's some shame that there are things going on that we know that nobody else knows except us and the Lord, and we're trying to keep it that way. In fact, some of us maybe have come to church tonight, and we're sitting here, and there are things going on that no one else knows about but you and God know about. There's some area of suffering in your life where you know it, he knows it, and no one else knows about it. And I just love this picture here that the stripes, the whips, the beating, the wounds of Christ, that they bring healing. They bring healing. In fact, the thing, let me just say this. This might be a word for someone today. The thing that you're ashamed of, the thing that you carry around every single day You've confessed it to the Lord. You surrendered it to God. And yet the enemy comes and continually brings shame in that area. I want to remind you tonight that because of his stripes, you're healed. And what does the healing bring? Forgiveness. What does the forgiveness bring? It brings freedom. I believe that the word for someone here tonight is by his wounds, by his stripes, by what took place at the cross, you're healed. You're forgiven. You've been set free. Why continue to carry it around? Surrender whatever that is to the Lord so that there doesn't have to be the mask wearing the mask that says, I'm fine. By his stripes. What took place at the cross, his stripes were healed, were forgiven. There's freedom. Whatever the sin is that you might carry around, there's freedom from it. There's forgiveness of it. And the heaviness of the weight, the heaviness of the shame, the heaviness of the secret, we can be free of it. By his stripes, we are healed. Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you, Lord, for that picture, for that image, that by 
your stripes. That by your wounds, that by what, what, what took place at the cross, on the cross, we're healed. We're healed. And Lord, I believe tonight there's some of us, maybe a few, maybe many, whether here in person or there online, who have been just living with the heaviness of their sin. Living with the heaviness of their shame. Living with the heaviness of their secret. And Lord, I believe you brought them here tonight. You brought them to church to remind them that there's healing in you. That there's freedom and forgiveness in you. You know, tonight, before we do anything else, in just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. But I just, I, I want to just spend the next couple minutes just reflecting on the Father's love for us. You know, where, you, you, you know what motivated your healing and my healing? God's love for us. Christ's love for us. You know why he was willing to go upon the cross? To the cross and, and, and die the death that he, that he died? It was to demonstrate his love toward us. And so Charles and the team, they're just going to lead us in this, this song. And during the song, I want to encourage you guys to just reflect on how much you're loved. Reflect on, on the love that took place that Friday, that, that good day for you. And so let's just worship the Lord before we take communion tonight. Let's just stay and keep our hearts and our minds in this attitude of worship, in this attitude of reflection.